You're listening to the Firefighter Success Podcast. Join us as we learn from successful firefighters and fire service leaders on how to achieve excellence. When lives depend on us, success is our only option. What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Firefighter Success Podcast. I'm your host and author of Firefighter Success, Jim Moss. Our guest on the podcast today is a fire officer who takes a no-nonsense approach to leadership. That's why he wrote the book, No-Nonsense Leadership, A Realistic Approach for the Company Officer. Jared Sergi is a captain and a proud member of Norfolk Fire Rescue in Virginia. Prior to working for Norfolk, he served six years in the U.S. Navy on board the USS Iwo Jima. He is an instructor with the Virginia Department of Fire Programs and Real Fire Training, LLC, where he focuses on engine and ladder company operations. Jared is a graduate of the National Fire Academy's Executive Fire Officer Program. He shares his leadership message across the country at fire conferences and fire departments. Captain Jared Sergi, welcome to the Firefighter Success Podcast. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. We have a lot of mutual shared passion. That's right. That's right. So am I. I'm looking forward to it. So I really enjoyed your book, and we're definitely going to dive in, do a deep dive into it during the podcast. But first, I wanted to ask you about success. What is success for firefighters, and what are your essential qualities for successful firefighters? So I would say success for firefighters, like um, for me, like what what would be a definition is, you know, I've reached success is, A, I feel like I'm competent enough to provide a service to the public, like, uh, you know, fulfill why my fire department hired me in the first place, right? Like I can go out there and competently serve the public, make good decisions and, and serve in their best interest. Uh, and then also be, you know, be accepted by the other firefighters that are in in my station, in my department, you know, you want to, everybody wants to come in to be, you know, a part of the brotherhood and the sisterhood. And I think, I think if you can form that bond and earn that trust of your, your fellow firefighters, then that is also a success. And then also leaving behind a legacy. You know, we, everybody talks about leaving a legacy. I think if you walk away from your fire department and, you know, you've, the people that are around you, whether they're firefighters or fire officers, if you've, if you've done something to, to make them better in their job, doesn't matter how big or small it is, then that's a win. You know, that would be my definition of success if I could walk away from my career and hopefully I've shared some things to, to make somebody better than, than I can sleep at night knowing that I did what I was supposed to. And, you know, as far as qualities, you know, everybody promises you the world in an interview, right? <laughs> uh, but once they get out there, you know, some of the qualities, empathy, uh, compassion, uh, good judgment, good decision-making, loyalty, um, trustworthy. Uh, so those are some of the big ones for me, passionate, committed, you know, I wouldn't say motivated um, because that kind of ebbs and flows, you know? Um, but I think if somebody does things with passion and they come in for the right reasons, they want to be part of a team, they want to serve the public and they do it with passion, that usually leads to success, right? Whether you're a firefighter or or whether you're delivering mail, if you do something with passion, success will follow typically. Exactly. And I love that you said leaving a legacy because we're all going to leave a legacy of some sort, right? Uh, we, oh, could yeah. be, we could be we could be a bump on a log and, and be a lazy 
firefighter who that's our legacy that we leave or you know like you said we could i loved all the c's by the way that you mentioned so confidence (laughs) (laughs) confidence competence you you mentioned being committed credibility compassion all under the main mission of serving our public like you said some some really great stuff and uh so are you ready to dive into your book because i have so many questions about your book yeah man let's do it yeah. So congrats on the success with your book. Um, you know, I personally really enjoyed the book. Um, uh, again, the title for everyone listening, No Nonsense Leadership, A Realistic Approach for the Company Officer. Uh, so what led you to writing it and how did it come about? So it kind of started, um, you know, I was writing articles for a lot of different publications and they were all very, you know, company officer focused, whether it was dealing with people in a firehouse, training. Uh, discipline, mindset, things like that, you know, and I think it was just a couple of friends of mine were like, hey, you know, you've written all these articles, why don't you just kind of lump it all into one, you know, one spot and put it all into a book. Good, that positive peer pressure. Yeah, that's right. They kept pushing on me. And honestly, at first, I didn't want to do it. I'm like, no, you know, I don't want to write a book. That seems like a lot of work. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it was just kind of the lazy side. He was like, nah, I'll just, I'll just throw an article out every now and then. And then I just decided to do it. I said, what the heck? Let me just start writing it. I went through some of my old articles and I looked at the content that I had, that I had written. And I just tried to, I think I just came up with a few chapters. So it wasn't many. And, and I just started writing. I just started putting my thoughts and my, my experiences and my passion into, into something that I, the hope was that whoever was reading that, you know, there's, there's so many leadership books out there, right? And they're, they're all awesome. I love just about every one that I've read. And I'm like, you know, how do I make something very focused on the company officer? Like, how do you read a leadership book and then practically take that to the firehouse? And that was my goal when I, when I wrote that was to, to try to do that for people. So I wrote it, you know, I, I would work on it for a couple months and then I would slack off for a couple months and it was just back and forth, you know. I don't know if you went through those some, something those same things too. Oh yeah. You better believe it. Yeah. You you can't, you can't be pushing hard hundred percent all the time. You have to definitely write a little bit and then uh, take, take a little bit to kind of review what you wrote and and maybe you might want to add to it. You might want to take some away from it, Uh, but definitely, yeah, it's good to have that write a little bit and then rest a little bit. Yeah. That's what happened to me. And so, and and in fact, even doing that, a couple chapters came in there. And so I had everything together. And so my cousin, Crystal, she is an editor. And so I sent everything to her and she kind of kicked my butt in the end because she edited the whole thing. And then I just was like, oh, this is good. I'm going to add some more stuff. And I just sent it and I did it without her editing it. So if, <laughs> if you read close enough, you'll catch some spelling errors and some sentence structure where you're like, that doesn't make much sense. But, uh, but anyway, I sent it to her and I said, hey, what do you think? And so she, she edited it for me and I was just, the train just kept on going and I just kept moving forward with the next step and decided, all right, I guess I'll publish this thing. And it was just that scary moment where it was like that green submit button. Like, man, once I put this out there, it's out there. There's no pulling it back, you know? And uh, so I sent it out and uh, I think people have enjoyed it. At least I hope they have. And hopefully they've taken something from it. Well, I definitely have. And, And what I like most about it is that your stories and your advice, what you share is real, you know, and there's not a lot of frills to it. You know, so many leadership books can be so deep into theory, uh, but yours is, you know, just real advice uh, for company officers, uh, for any fire officer level, and and for those firefighters who are aspiring uh, to become company officers. Um, There are so many valuable takeaways um, 
for current fire officers and aspiring fire officers, as well as just firefighters in general, right? Yeah. But one of the first topics you discuss in the book is the importance of being a good follower. Uh, you write about your time in the Navy, uh, specifically on page 16, and, and you wrote the following. There are a precious few who guided me and mentored me over the years as a young sailor. These men taught me my very first lesson in leadership. To be a good leader, I had to be a good follower. I was taught the importance of loyalty, mission, team, and accountability. So talk a little bit more about uh, your beliefs on followership and why is it so critical for becoming a successful leader? So, you know, like I said, that was, like I mentioned in that book, that was my first taste of it. And, you know, the, the, the military's approach is, you know, they just don't let you sit on your hands. It's either move up or move out kind of a thing. So um, I wouldn't say they, they latch into the everyone as a leader category. Um, I, I personally don't really believe that. Um, I think people can have leadership attributes and things like that. I think everybody is an influencer. Um, for me, the reason it was so important was because, you know, if I, if I tried to look too far ahead on the next step, you, know, you kind of miss what's right in front of you. And what I mean by that is the things that you should be developing yourself. You know, you relate that to a firefighter. If, if I come in a fire department, I've been there for a couple of years, there's nothing wrong with, with having goals to be an officer. Of course there isn't. You know, there's nothing wrong with trying to move up the chain of command, but you know, you don't want to look so far past the horizon that you get, forget what's right in front of you. And when it comes to being a firefighter, that's just being a good firefighter, right? Being, being competent at your skills, whether it's fire or EMS or tech rescue, or whatever the case may be, um, you know, good followership means, you know, learning and paying attention to the leadership around you and both good and bad and, and kind of stuffing that in your pocket because, when you're in that position, then you can either do some of that or, or not do some of those things. Um, and then eventually, you know, because you've set those goals, you're going to land a position of leadership. And if you weren't careful about being a good follower and you weren't good about developing yourself and, and paying attention to, to behaviors and attributes and things that make people either successful or unsuccessful, I think it could hurt you. So, you know, we don't want to put the cart before the horse. I think being a good follower is important. Um, you know, when I, I don't, when people come to my station, you know, I don't have a brand new rookie and I tell him, look, you know, you're a leader in this station. I don't say that to them. You know, their, their job is to be a probationary firefighter. It's to, it's to learn the rig. It's to know how to operate the tools. It's, it's to know how to be, you know, to go out there and deliver a service and be so focused in that, you know, the rest will fall into place if you're a good follower. Yeah, I love how you said that not everyone is necessarily a leader. And that's really true because it, there's a paradox there, right? Because being a successful firefighter and a successful company officer, a successful chief, we all really need to be able to lead ourselves, right? Absolutely. We need to make sure that we have those fundamental attributes like you already talked about, being a great follower, the loyalty, uh, you know, making sure we're invested in the mission and the team and we have that accountability. But that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, even though you lead yourself, that doesn't necessarily mean you're ready 
just yet to lead other people, right? Right. Uh, so there takes a lot of experience, a lot of observation and, and mentoring and learning from company officers of, of what to do and what not to do in many cases, as, as you say in your book. Uh, but first and foremost, we need to make sure we're leading ourselves before we ever take that next step. If you know we're tapped on the shoulder, uh, and we all know who those firefighters are, right? The ones who who are ready to take the next step. You know, they already have that that influence within their their crew, right? They already have that influence within other members, other firefighters on their shift. So it's it's leadership is crazy, right? It's a journey. And uh, it's it, for me and you who have been doing it a little while here, um, you know, we're learning every day, right? We're, it's, oh, of course. right. And, and there's something that we show up next shift, we, we're going to find out something new, right? And, and something that's going to help us, something we're going to put in our toolbox to become a better leader. Um, and I think that's one of the great things of, of, of successful firefighters, successful leaders is that power of observation and always, always willing to learn. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yep. You got to, you got to pay attention to what's around you. Like, you know, I get the, you know, that everyone's a leader. I get, I'm not saying that's, you know, I'm not coming down on it, but I think, just think we have to be careful with that. Cause if we, if we put that in everybody's mind that when they show up to a fire department or wherever they are, that as soon as they walk through the door, they're a leader there. No, they're not. You know, they, they may have those leadership attributes and qualities, but if they want to develop themselves as a leader, like we talked about, just sit back, pay attention for a while, be competent, focus on the job, focus on being a firefighter. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you, it'll usually work out. And like you mentioned before, you, you know, I've heard people say, well, this guy is going to be a great chief because they were a good firefighter. You know, that doesn't always work either, you know, because like you said, you got to you got to continually develop yourself like it, it has value. I'm not going to say it doesn't, you know, they can they can maybe have that that quality of not forgetting where they came from and things like that, but they're not a firefighter anymore. They're a chief. So they have to, you know, they have to develop themselves to step into that role. You know, you don't just make Lieutenant and then you've reached some finish line and and that's it. The development stops, you know? Right. We're always developing ourselves. We're always adapting. We're always innovating and, and seeing how we can better fit into that position and also serve our members to the best of our abilities as well. So let's talk about your ethos and and the mindset you have for leading your crew. Uh, On page 20, you say, there's something I live by as a company officer. Call it an ethos, if you will. But if one of my firefighters is injured or killed in the line of duty, and I can't look at their wife, husband, son, or daughter in the face and say, I did everything I could to train them or increase their chance of survival, then I have failed. Everything I do will be in their best interest and in the best interest of the team as a whole. If you are a company officer and this is not at the front of your brain every day you report to duty, shame on you. Your firefighters are the most important people in that station. Not you, not your part-time job, nothing. And that time spent at the station, they are the number one and you should be acting like it. Now, there's so many good points in that passage, uh, and I want to discuss a few of them with you. First of all, let's talk about training and the role that every company officer has in training their crew. What advice do you have for company officers who need a little guidance or encouragement in that area? So I would say, number one, just recognizing that it's, that it's a priority, right? And 
I, you know, I can't even through a podcast, just tell everybody that tomorrow they need to go out and, and train their folks because it's important. I think everybody kind of knows that even if they're not doing it. Um, the nice thing is when you see value in it, right now, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a story. Well, I had a guy at my station, we were out stretching some lines and I have a particular way. I like them to put the line at the front door. His was a little different. We kind of went back and forth. I said, Hey, look, you know, I don't care if you get off the truck and do somersaults. When I get done with my 360, this is how I want the line played out. He's like, all right. And he was apprehensive and that's okay. Um, but he did it. And then no kidding, like an hour later, we go back in service and we go to a fire. It was actually a fatality fire. And he stretches the line perfectly. And he comes to me after the fire and he's like nudging me on the shoulder. He's like, hey, cat, hey, cat, what do you think? Take a look. huh? What do you see on the ground? <laughs> Did you see that? Yeah, you see that's, that? That's exactly what he did. And I was like, hey, man, like you did awesome. Like that's that's exactly what I expected you to do. And you did it and it went really well. So firefighters want to be confident in their skills, whether whether it seems that way or not, whether someone has a poor attitude or not, nobody wants to come to work and suck. Like they want to be confident and your job as an officer is to make them confident. And if you teach them the right way and you show them the value in training, it makes them more confident, which makes them happier, which increases their morale, which makes them want to come to work, you know? So, um, you know, the role that you play, you're an instructor, you know, like, and you know, Brad French, he does a great job. He goes around and talks about the company officer's role as an instructor. And like, I love it because that's exactly what you are, right? And it goes back to the followership stuff, right? Like, what did you, what have you done to develop yourself along the way? Because now you have those trumpets on your collar and you have to teach people how to be good firefighters. You have to train them to be competent at their job, to go out there and serve the public and, and do things to keep themselves as safe as possible, obviously, right? Um, I mean, training to me is, is it, it's paramount. It's the keystone. When you go into a firehouse, that's, what's going to make you successful. Everything goes back to your training. So true. Um, so much great stuff that you just said. And, and one of which is the fact that you talked about competence and confidence and they really go hand in hand, right? So the, the more competent you are, and the more confident you'll be, the more confident you are, the more competent you'll be. So they really are interrelated for firefighters and company officers. The other thing uh, that I love that you brought up was it to me, and, and tell me if you agree, to me, it seems like the best officers are the ones who have spent some time as instructors or training officers are really focused on training their people more than anything. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And, the, and then the firefighters want to follow somebody like that, right? Um, you know, you know, I've had people, I've known people that have wanted to leave stations and go to work for other officers because they're not getting training, you know? And, and it's like, I don't, as an officer, I couldn't imagine somebody wanting to leave my station because I'm not, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do for them. Right. Like, Hey, Captain Sergio, I don't want to be here anymore because you're just not training me. Like, man, that'd be like a dagger to my heart. Like here I have this responsibility and, and I'm failing. Like I'm not doing that. Like I just, I don't, my brain's not wired uh, that way to just be fine with that. And some people shockingly are They're like, okay, well, good luck over there. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like so many times and I'm sure you'll, uh, you'll weigh in on this, but it seems like so many times 
with your crew as a company officer, you're going to, you're like, okay, we're going to train on this later. And at first, maybe around the kitchen table, they're like, oh, we're going to do that. Or, you know, right. we just did that last week. We just did it last month, last year, whatever. And then you start doing it. You actually get that hands-on training on. People are starting to sweat a little bit. They're, yep. you know, starting to lay out lines, flow some water. And then almost a hundred percent of the time after you do it every, every single time, they're like, man, thanks for, thanks for making us do that. Or thanks for bringing yeah. this up. I'm glad we did this. Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, I've seen even the most apprehensive people in training. Once it's done, they're like, man, I actually kind of learned some stuff. They may not admit, may not even admit it, but I've heard, you know, they'll, they'll chirp to the other firefighters and then they get back to you. And it's like, you know, well, Jim actually, you know, he was saying he really enjoyed that. Like, I know he was a little bit, you know, he was balking at it at first, but he kind of enjoyed it. And again, it goes back to people want to be confident, right? And I, I think the reason that people, at least in my experience, the reason that people are apprehensive towards training is, A, they either are afraid to demonstrate failure, right? Because maybe nobody's trained them to begin with. Um, so they don't want to embarrass themselves. So I think as an officer, you have to create that environment where it's like, hey, it's okay to screw up. Like I tell my folks all the time, I screw up all the time. Like it's okay. We can we could fix that. That's easy. Um, so, you know, it's like, I think about where did they come before? Did they have a, you know, did they have an officer that just made them do that. They just made them demonstrate failure. Didn't really teach them anything. They were kind of condescending, you know, they didn't, they didn't do realistic or practical training, you know? So I always kind of think about where those people have come from. And, you know, I just try to create the best learning environment that I can for my folks. I, I get jazzed up about it. I mean, you know, I'm the kind of guy I'll train all day if you let me, but I, I just try to stay excited about it. And that rubs off on other people. People feed off that energy, you know? Yep. That positive peer pressure and, and making sure that we're encouraging each other. And, and when someone fails or if some, someone doesn't know something, making sure that we're not outing them, right. And making sure we're not making them feel embarrassed for what they don't know, because none of us knows everything, right? That's right. We always have to proceed with that humility as a company officer and firefighters and especially successful firefighters will proceed with that humility of saying, Hey, I don't know how to do this. Can you show me cap? Uh, so I love it. Right. And the worst thing, the worst thing that you could say is like, what do you mean? You know, are you kidding me? Yeah. You've been here. How long? You don't know that. Exactly. Oh, man. Like you can't do that. Even if you're thinking that don't say it. Like, just, <laughs> That's right. Engage gotta, that filter. <laughs> yeah. Like just, just think that and then be like, all right, look, this is an easy fix. We could fix this and it's through training, you know? Yep. I couldn't agree more. So another point you touched on in the, in the passage on the topic of servant leadership, I, I love this topic. Uh, so many unsu unsuccessful leaders mistakenly believe that leadership is all about them when it's really about others, right? Uh, specifically the team as a whole. What are some specific strategies or actions you've taken uh, to help your team be more successful? So one thing I try to do is, um, you know, it, and it's hard sometimes, and I'm sure you've experienced too, you get a lot of people in the station, everybody's working on different things. Some are good about telling you what they're working on, some aren't, right? And it's not because they're hiding it from you, it's just they go on working on their own stuff. So I try my best to be involved. Yeah. Like I listen, I try to, I try to ask them what's going on, like constantly, what are they working on? So, you know, where the rubber meets the road, one thing I do is, Every few months, I sit down. I have a book in my in my office, and I keep tabbed on. Everybody has a like a section in this notebook, right? And so I'll have short term goals, long term goals. What are they working on now? And we have an eval, you know, system that we use where you meet with them once a year. We have 
uh, six month like mid year reviews that we do to look at their performance. But I want to know other things like what are they working on? What are this professional, personal, anything, right? Like I sit down and I ask them, where are you at? What have you been working on? Is there anything you'd like to work on? Is there anything that I could help you with? And so that helps me stay engaged with, with them. You know, it keeps, it keeps me on track for what I should be giving them as their officer. And then my hope is that it shows them, and I have a Lieutenant in my station too. And we, we both do this together. And I hope, you know, it shows the firefighters like, Hey, we, we're vested in your success, right? We, we want you to succeed. We want to help you get to where you need to go. We're willing to, to find the resources and put in the time to get you where you need to be. And I think, I think that just helps with that unity. It helps with that cohesion. You know, everybody on the team's like, wow, this person, this person has a vested interest in my success and they, they want to help me get to where I need to go. And, you know, you can look at any industry across the country and that's one of those drivers of high performances is, you know, a people want to trust their leadership and they want to know that they have some kind of plan. Like they have a, they have a roadmap for them to get to where they need to go. They're not just showing up and, you know, punching the clock and, and do whatever else they do. But um, right. I think that's that that helps with that that team unity is number one, just just staying involved and knowing what's going on with your folks. And um, and you have to take an active role in that. That's easy to forget. Like even me, like I, I'm no different than anybody else. I have administrative responsibilities, calls. You know, it's it's easy to miss those things. That's why I have to do stuff like make a notebook, write it down, like put reminders in my calendar. Like, Hey, I need to sit down with Matt today and, and talk about this stuff. So. Yeah. And be involved. So don't be a passive leader, uh, you know, be engaged, uh, spend time with them. And, and we all know time is probably the most precious commodity, right? Cause we can only, Absolutely. we can only divide it so many ways, uh, especially as a company officer, as a chief officer, you can only divide your time so many ways. And, and we need to make sure that we're investing that time wisely, like you said, uh, making sure we're engaged um, and making sure we're building those relationships and figuring out what our our, our firefighters' goals are uh, so we can help them achieve those goals. So really great stuff, man. I appreciate that. So let's talk about chapter one. Uh, I love how you discuss the importance of firefighters building credibility long before they ever think about the promotional process, something we uh, touched on a little bit before. So why is credibility so important? And what are some key ways firefighters can build more credibility with their peers? So number one, it's important because I'm sure I say it in the book, you know, like the fire department doesn't forget. It's crazy. You know, like <laughs> you could have 25 yeah. years on the job and it's like, remember when Jim did that? He had a couple years in and, you know, it's just, it's crazy to me how people, it's just the way the fire department is, I guess. Um, and you know, the fire department is, you know, just the job we do, you have to trust people. Right. And the, if you have spent a career or at least a certain time in your career up to the point where you took an exam and you did absolutely nothing and you did not develop yourself, you, you know, maybe you treated people the way they shouldn't be treated. Maybe you were, a poor provider on an ambulance, you, you cut corners, you did a lot of things that you weren't supposed to, that, that put some blemishes on your character. And then all of a sudden, you know, you'd take a promotional exam and you become a Lieutenant or a captain. And then there's, especially if there's like this change in your behavior, it's like, Hey, wait a second here. Like people aren't, people aren't dumb. They know, they know where you've been. They know what you've done. You know, when I got promoted to Lieutenant, I was the same guy, right? They knew all about Jared Sergi before I got promoted. 
everybody had opinions on me. So they, they know where you've been and they know what you've done. And if you take an active role, and I'm not saying that you've got to be the guy that goes out and, and goes to several conferences a year. I'm not saying that at all, but you got to come to work. You got to do your job. You got to be a good follower. You got to work on being competent, right? In your skills, you got to treat people correctly. You got to mentor them. And if they see this pattern of, you know, engagement, enthusiasm, commitment, passion, all those things, and then you take a promotional exam, it's going to be that much easier for somebody to, for you, it's going to be easier for you to go in that station and have a little bit of credibility, right? You're, it's going to be easier for people to want to trust you. It's going to be easier for people to want to follow you because they've seen your history. They know your pattern of behavior. They see how you treat people both in the station. They see how you treat the public. They know your performance level to an extent, you know? So credibility goes a long way. And I think as far as building your reputation, it starts as soon as you, as soon as you walk out the door from the Academy, right? Because like I said, people don't forget. So if, if you have aspirations to eventually become an officer, then the day you hit foot on the, you know, set foot on the street, you need to be, you need to be working on becoming a good firefighter, building relationships. Uh, and look, I, I'm not a hypocrite. I, I'll tell you right now, like there are certainly things as a young firefighter that I wish I had done differently, right? Like I, I worked around a bunch of high speed dudes. We had a blast. We were good at our job. And, you know, that can lead to a little bit of arrogance. And so, <laughs> you know, the way, you, you know, snub your nose at people or it's like, I can't believe you guys don't do this or you don't have our same mindset. What's wrong with you? You know, looking back at it now, it's like, I get how people are there, but that wasn't always the best thing to do, you know? Um, so I think you just got to be careful and you got you to gotta work with a consistent level of commitment and passion for the job and enthusiasm because as an officer, you're going to have to continue to model that behavior even more. And then you're going to have to try to, you know, influence your firefighters to do the same. Right. And, and as a firefighter going into the officer level or that next promotional step, it's all really about building trust, right? Making sure that Absolutely. others believe you and they believe in you uh, because we all know that followers will only follow leaders that they trust, right? And it's also about leading by example every single day as a firefighter and as an officer. Uh, Chief Jason Holman passed this on to me and I pass it on to uh, my lieutenants that I have under, under me uh, and my firefighters who wanna become company officers. Um, and it's remembering that the promotional process is not just about a single day when you take that test or you have that interview. It's about the other 364 days a year that you're building that trust, that you're building that credibility, you, you're building that reputation with your fellow firefighters and the other officers, other company officers, other chief officers who might be on the interview board, right? That's so right. Uh, it, it's not just about how well you score on a written exam or your your answers for the interview questions, because it's kind of funny when when firefighters prepare for interviews, they they try and figure out what's the right answer to this question. When all along they should be speaking from their own body of work, right? Mm -hmm. What they've right. experienced and what they believe. What are their core values? If you have all those in place, then answering those uh, you know lieutenant or captain's interview questions should just come from the heart, right? And, and you That's shouldn't right. have to think about them too hard while you're in the promotional process. That's right. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. He put it great. You know, I've heard my fire chief say that 
um, promotions are one of the hardest things that he has to do, right? Like when he gets a group of names and he's like, like it, our previous fire chief, I remember him saying like he would lose sleep over it. Like it really stressed him out when he had to make that decision. Mm. But just like, just like Chief Holman says, it's like that, that to me, I'm not a fire chief, but I feel like that would make it easier for me, right? Like what has this person done leading up to this position? And then what will they continue to do if I give it to them, you know? Yep. And I think firefighters need to remember that credibility cannot be bought, right? It, it, it's like respect. It yep. can't be bought, but you have to build it. And it's built, you know, one shift at a time, one day at a time, you know, one year at a time. Um, and uh, yes, we're all going to make mistakes, but make sure you don't make a mistake so grave that you're going to lose everyone's trust in you. Exactly. Um, and so think about what you're doing before you do it and what you say <laughs> before you say it. Um, so, uh, shifting gears, one of the philosophies that I subscribe to is that it is better to ask for forgiveness later than for permission. Now, uh, you mentioned this phrase in your book, uh, when discussing how successful leaders are decisive, uh, talk a little bit more about the importance of decisiveness as a leader and why company officers must make the call and own it. Oh, that's a good one. So yes, I am very much that same way. I'm a, I'm a big, big for forgiveness kind of a guy. Um, because again, I, I think a decisive leader shows action. It shows, um, you know, obviously decisiveness. It shows that you are able to quickly see whether in black or white or in shades of gray and make a decision. Right. And again, people, people want that. They, they trust a, an officer that's not afraid to make decisions, you know, not, you know, you don't want to work for an officer that you go to him with a problem. It's like, Oh, hold on. Let me go ask this person. Oh, hold on. Let me go ask this person. Like, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. There's certainly problems that have to that have to go up the chain of command, right? Um, but if you can if you can make that decision and it's in the best interest of the firefighter, the station, the department, the public, then make it, right? And answer for it later. There's been plenty of times where where I've made a decision because I felt that was the right thing to do, and you know, I later come back and my chief's like, Hey, what, you know, what happened with this situation or whatever? And I said, Oh, this is what's going on. But I made this decision. Now he may or may not agree with it, but I've never, and I've always had really good chiefs. So this has helped, but I've never had a chief say, you know, you really should have contacted me when you made that decision. It was like, okay, I understood you made it. This is why I would have done it differently, but you made the decision and, you know, I support you, but next time maybe consider this, right? It, I think that earns respect from your supervisors, right? They want to, they want a follower who's able to make good decisions and, and take things upon their own to fix. Because eventually, again, if you end up promoting up, you're going to continue to be a problem solver. So I think firefighters working for a decisive officer, lieutenant, captain, whatever, again, it, it builds that trust. It builds that credibility. It lets them know like, Hey, this guy or gal can handle problems. And I'm not afraid to bring my problems to them because they're not, you know, it's not like a teeter totter. I bring something to them and they just can't, they can't make up their mind. They just make a decision, they act on it, and then they stand by their decision. And if you make a bad one, tell people you made a bad one, right? <laughs> I, right. Own up to I've it. had to do that. I, yep. I've had to swallow some crow, you know, at, at lineup in, in the morning at 0700, be like, hey guys, um, the other day this happened. I made this decision and I was wrong. And, you know, if I had to do it differently, I would probably do this, but I just want to let you all know that. You know, I was thinking about it and this was the outcome, but if I had to change some things, this is what I would have done. I think you have to be reflective in that sense. Um, and that's, and that's going to build credibility and respect with your crew as well. Right. 
Absolutely. Yep. But you got to be decisive. You got to make decisions, whether it's in the firehouse, uh, on the fire ground, the back of an ambulance, you got to be decisive. People want to see that in their leadership, right? That's why you're there. You're there to make decisions. You're there to solve problems. They want to see that from you. Right. Not only the firefighters want you to be decisive, but your chief officers want their company officers to be decisive, but also our citizens want us to be decisive, right? We don't want to show up. We don't want to show up on a scene and size it up for five minutes and and try and decide what we're going to do, right? We need to make sure we're making decisions that will improve everybody's safety and and quality of life and and making sure we're, we're doing what we need to do. Uh, on the fire ground as well. So not only in the firehouse, but on the fire ground, especially uh, we as company officers definitely need to, need to be decisive. Yeah. I want my firefighters to do the same, you know, like if they come to me with problems, you know, I try to encourage them to handle things at their level. And again, there's certainly things that it's like, Hey, you need to, you need to swing across my desk, but I want them making decisions. I I don't want me having to solve all of their problems. If that makes sense. Right. If it's, Mm -hmm. if it's within their authority, if it's within their, you know, their scope and they can manage it as a, as a group of firefighters or one person and they make a decision, I'll back them up. And, you know, in the end it may be wrong and I'll tell them it's wrong, but I, but I want them to make that decision. And if it's wrong, they learn from it. And if it's right, then I encourage them to keep on doing it. Yeah. And, and being decisive and making those decisions should all come back to, like we already talked about, it should all come back to your, your core values, right. And your Mm -hmm. convictions, right. Right. Your training. So everything, all those fundamental elements should lead us into making the best decision possible. Right. And as company officers, we're not always going to have the best information, uh, you know, uh, that we could possibly have, uh, but we will try and make the best decision with the information that is in front of us, right? That's right. So I love that you brought up the importance of core values for leaders. And on page 33, you wrote, these values will serve as your North Star when you find yourself in conflict. These North Stars will help you stay true to your beliefs and help you do what's right. So what are your core values? So initially, speaking of core values, so the first place I ever heard of those was in the Navy. Like you go through boot camp, you know, and uh, the Navy's core values are honor, honor, courage, and commitment, right? So every single thing that you did, it all went back to, went back to that, you know, the decisions that you made, um, everything went back to those. And they would constantly remind you of your core values. Like, so for me, you know, mine, uh, they're probably like a lot of other people, accountability, respect professionalism, teamwork, excellence, and trust. Those are, those are my main ones, right? Um, that is, that's what I try to base every decision. Like these are the founding principles for all of my decision-making. Um, you know, accountability, I'm accountability. I'm accountable for myself. I hold my firefighters accountable, accountable, um, respect, you know, the way I treat people in the station, the way I treat members of the public, the way I treat my supervisors, you know, um, you know, you can't be, if respect is one of your, your core values, you know, you can't be sitting at the galley table, just bashing your chief in front of the crew. Like it just doesn't work mm-hmm. that way. You just, right. you just can't do that. You know, like you're showing them like, what if they go in the, the day room, you know, down the hallway and they start bashing you, you know, that just, you're showing them that that's okay. Um, professionalism, you know, and all that we do, our attitude, our performance, our competencies, again, you know, teamwork, Everything we do goes back to the team. Any decision that we make affects, you know, one of the things I tell my, my brand new firefighters is, look, I ask them what they did before the fire department. And it's, you know, 
jobs of various kinds. And I say, look, whatever you did before, let me just explain to you now that everything you do now affects other people, whether it's the public, the person, especially the person next to you. So anything you do, don't do, things you say, it all has an impact on the team. So, so just be mindful of that. You know, excellence, that's just, that's just a bar I try to set for myself, obviously knowing that uh, I'm fallible and I'm human and I'll never, never get there. But that's, that's the bar I try to set. And that's the, that's the behavior that I try to model for other people. And then trust, right? Like you, gotta, you just got to have people have to trust you. They got to trust you from everything, making the everyday decisions in the firehouse, going out on the, the fire ground and making solid decisions. If they don't trust you, then they're going to be hesitant to do anything that you ask them. So true. Um, and in the Firefighter Success Book, that's why I dedicate a chapter to conviction and knowing what your own core values are. And I think I listed probably about 50 of them on a single page. And I said, hey, pick five at least, yeah. you know, that really identify what you're all about. Because if you don't decide what you're all about, someone else is going to decide for you, right? That's right. Um, and so I love that, you know, accountability, respect, professionalism, teamwork, excellence, trust. Those are solid. So if you're out there listening and you need some solid, solid core values, adopt those into your daily routine and your mindset. So you mentioned in the book some uh, key advice that has helped you achieve success as a company officer, and it's look out for your people and don't forget where you come from. So what are some real tangible ways to achieve these two goals? So those two things, you know, and it, Going back to the book, I, I think I explained the story of where I used to hear those things. And it started in the military um, after a promotion. And, and so I've, I've heard these, these things ever since I was 18 years old. And I feel like if I had to, I remember thinking about this years ago, and I, I felt like if I had to pin down one complaint that firefighters would have for their chiefs or, or anybody, like I feel like I could walk into Geico and something that the employees <laughs> would say about their supervisors is, man, you know, Jared just, you kind of forgot where he came from. You know, I, I feel like I, that would be up there on the list. And so I think you have to take an active role in remembering, um, remembering where you came from. You know, you have to constantly, again, be reflective. I had a chief tell me one time um, that he's a fire chief. It was like one of the best explanations anybody gave me. He's like, you know, I have to actively tell myself that I need to remember where I came from. He's like, as a firefighter, I picture myself like in front of the window, like standing in front of your window, looking outside and you can see everything that's going on outside. Like everybody's playing, you know, what's going on. And then I make Lieutenant and now there's one person in front of me at the window and I'm the guy behind him. So I'm kind of looking around him and then I make captain and then I make battalion chief and then I make deck. So the further I go up the chain of command, I'm still trying to like look down the window and figure out what's going on outside. And he's like, it's really hard. And I have to, I have to struggle to make sure I, uh, I pay attention and know what's going on. So, you know, not forgetting where you came from means, you know, to me, something as simple as having a conversation with somebody, right? Like if I sit down and have a conversation or I'm giving a counseling or I'm it, maybe it's in a, dis a disciplinary thing, like think about what you felt like when you were on the other side of the table, right? Like go back to that conversation, whether it was good or bad, right? Like if it was good, then obviously you have that, that to pull from, like, I'm going to talk to this person the way that somebody spoke to me because it made me feel better about the situation or this person really, really didn't handle this very well. And I'm not going to do that, right? Those little things, you know, I work in a fire-based EMS system 
and I have guys that just get absolutely crushed uh, or crushed on the ambulance. Like we, mm-hmm. we, we switch shifts, like you'll ride 12 on an ambulance, you'll ride 12 on an engine for the most part. Um, it could vary, but we have a weird, weird thing like that. But so there's guys that are all cross-trained, right? So we get paramedics and everything. They're just getting just stomped. You know, they, they ride 12 hours on an ambulance. And if they're at my station, I mean, they can easily go on, you know, 15 runs in a 12 hour period, you know? So it's, it's remembering those things. It's, you know, you, I remember it was like to just, you know, get, get the beat down on the ambulance. And so if I do things in the station, whether it's scheduling training or, or anything, I have to remember like, Hey, these guys just got, just got punished on an ambulance. Don't forget what that feels like. Like try not to remember what that's like. Um, you know, so that something as simple as that, it really just kind of just put yourself in other people's shoes and don't forget what it was like when you were in those shoes, because you, you, you have a different position now, but you got to remember what it was like to be there. Yeah. And I, I think what that all comes back to, and you mentioned it before, is that empathy, really, really right. understanding and putting yourself into their shoes um, and really listening. Right. If, if your crew members say something, don't let it just pass you by, but really listen to them. And I love how you mentioned, uh, you know, adjusting the schedule or adjusting training or something you had planned because some we do 4896 at my department. And so, you know, I might have all these aspirations for the morning of day two, uh, but if my ambulance crew, we're cross-trained too, if, if my ambulance crew gets crushed, you know, the night before, how, how excited do you think they're going to be <laughs> to yeah. get up and do training at 8 a.m., 9 a.m.? Right. Uh, not very excited. And uh, that's going to lose a lot of uh, momentum that we had and a lot of credibility uh, because uh, they're definitely not going to identify with what I wanted to do. So, yeah, yeah you, you you hit the nail on the head with making sure that, you know, we're empathetic and we really listen and understand our people uh, before we go with our own um, our own agenda. Right. Yeah. You got to watch them. You know, like we have a weird schedule. So we work, we work a really strange one, but for like four days, we work uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Monday. So four 24 hour shifts with a day off in between. And so if that's a busy week, I mean, those guys are getting off, they're going home and sleeping, they're waking up again, they're coming back. I mean, it's, it's a long week. So there has been plenty of times, like you said, where I had stuff scheduled and I've had to pull it based off reading my crew, right? Like, Oh man, these guys are worn out. It's been a busy, long stretch. We call it or hell week. People call it. I mean, that should be a clue of hell week. Um, you know, so, you know, I've, I've heard the mantra like every day, every day is a training day. I'm not saying I believe that too. I think every day there's an opportunity to do that, but I'll be dead honest with you. There's plenty of times where I'm like, you know what? I'm not doing anything with these folks today. Like if stuff comes up kind of ad hoc, we'll do it. Um, or if they come up to me and say, Hey, Cap, can we work on this? I'm all about it. But there's plenty of days where I just don't schedule anything because I think that I think that healthy balance is important. That's just me. You know, that's that's how I choose to run my station. And it it helps with that cohesion. I'm not going to I'm not going to slam these guys into the wall every single day to them there, because, again, I just I just think that healthy balance is important. Right. Know your audience. (laughs) Yeah. I remember what it's like to to be like that and be in their shoes and and be on that long week and then having my captain come and tell me, hey, we're working on this. And. I did it, um, but I remember what it feels like, you know? Yeah. So last question for you, and it might be a controversial one. 
you say in your book that it's okay to have favorites when it comes to your crew members. Uh, now, a lot of people listening have most likely heard that uh, leaders should not have favorites uh, right. and that all subordinates uh, should be viewed in the same light. Uh, can you dive a little deeper into your opinion on this topic? Uh, and why is it okay for leaders to have favorites? Yeah, so I believe that they can. And I know people might just toss tomatoes at me next time they see me, and that's okay. Uh, but that, that's my outlook on it. And, you know, for the longest time, I remember hearing those things too, like leaders can't have favorites. You don't, you know, you don't play favorites and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'm like, man, I, I feel like I got my favorites. I got people in the station um, that, like, they're my go-to people. Like, we can call them go-to people. Like, is there another way of calling them go-to person? Like, are they your favorite? So I think, like, if I have a guy that, you know, comes to work, engaged, leads training, like, just the list goes on and on. Yeah, damn right, that guy's my favorite. As opposed, <laughs> to who, as, as opposed to somebody who comes in and doesn't do any of that stuff? Heck yeah. Now, do the rules still apply to that favorite, let's say? Absolutely, they still do, right? Like, mm-hmm. if that person breaks a rule, they're in trouble, right? The rules still apply. For me, it's the consequences that change. And I'm again, let me be clear. I'm not talking about the favoritism like, you know, me and Jim came in the academy together. We're just golfing buddies. You know, we, we hang out, we camp on the weekends. Showing somebody favoritism based off like cronyism is, is not right, right? Like if I'm going to show someone favoritism and reward them with extra responsibility or tasks or projects, it's going to be based off merit, like yes. their performance at work, their character, how they treat people, accountability, like all of those things. So absolutely, 100%, I have my favorites. And the people that are my favorites, I, I, try to, I try to give them additional responsibility or I'll challenge them a little bit more. I'm not saying I ignore other people in the station. Absolutely not. And I don't think anybody else should either. Like, you don't just have your, your favorites in your camp and then everybody else is just, oh, well, sorry, guys, I'm not going to do anything. That's not how that works, right? But what people see is they see their leadership treating people this way based off merit and performance and professionalism, guess what that sometimes does? They might say, well, hell, I want some of that extra responsibility too. Mm-hmm. You know? um, so when I say that, I mean it. I, do, I think it's okay for a leader to have favorites, but it's got to be done the right way. It's got to be tempered. It's, you don't just shut people out. Everybody has the same opportunity, but for the ones that are, that are chugging along and they're moving and they're doing all those kinds of things. They're going above and beyond. I mean, there's a guy in my station right now that I wish I could clone him. I mean, he <laughs> is like two steps ahead of me. He's a firefighter right now. He's like, hopefully he'll be getting, he's on the list for Lieutenant. I'm like, that guy needs to get promoted. I go to him with all kinds of stuff. Like he takes it, he does it. He does it well. He, again, he, he'll come up to me and be like, Hey cap, I, I took care of this. I did this training with, with whoever, and it's all done. And I'm like, this guy's a rock star. Absolutely. Yeah. He's one of my favorites in the station. Are you kidding me? Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of my, my mindset, and my approach to that. Again, I think just to, just to reiterate, people have to be careful. Favoritism. I think it's okay to show, to have your favorites, but don't show favoritism based off cronyism, right? Not just, well, I just like this guy because we get along. No, no. It's got to be based off merit. Yeah, that's so well said. I'm glad you said that. And, and just like you as a company officer, I want the go-getters. I want the go-to firefighters and, and all of our citizens do as well. And our chief officers want go-to captains. They want the go-getters, right? Oh, yeah. um, and that doesn't mean that my 
go-getters or go-to firefighters are necessarily yes men, yes women, you know, but I want the firefighters that I can just basically trust to get the job done no matter what. Um, yep. And you know what? My firefighters expect the same as me, uh, of me as their company officer, right? They want me Absolutely. to be the go-to company officer that they can trust with with whatever they need. So, would you agree with that? Yes, one hundred percent. Yep, it works. It works that way too. I could line up a panel of firefighters and say, "All right, give me your favorite officers," and I want your favorite officers, and they're going to write them down. And then I'd say, "Okay, well, why are they your favorite?" Well. You know, this guy makes a killer barbecue sandwich every weekend. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work. How about you? Well, this person is engaged. They lead by example. They're enthusiastic. They train their folks. Boom. That's that's a favorite officer. You know, it's yeah. it's based off merit. You know, you could give me any battalion chief and give them a lineup of a, a restructure fire response. And I could tell you right now, they're going to have their favorites. Like they're going to have a truck turn the corner and they're going to either be like, oh, great. Where, where am I going to put these folks? Or they're going to be like, oh, hell yeah, this this crew's here. That's his favorites, right? That just that's just how it works. So true. And and you know, I my crew, I definitely pride myself, you know, that that my crew is that go-to. You know, we can handle any assignment that the incident commander is going to give us. Um, and you know, every single fire company in America should feel that way, you know, uh, take that kind of pride in their job and and make sure that when when the incident commander says, All right, I need you to go up on that aerial. And, you know, vent the roof, vent that window, do whatever you got to do. You don't have to think twice about it. You know, you got, you're already halfway up the aerial. That's right. <laughs> you're, you're anticipating it uh, before uh, he even asks you. Uh, well, Cap, I can't thank you enough for being on the show and spending time with us and for all your wisdom uh, that you shared with us. Uh, please tell the listeners how they can get your book and how they can connect with you. Yeah. So uh, if they want to get the book, um, they can hop on Amazon. You can order it right through Amazon. That's probably the easiest way. I tell people all the time if they want to order in bulk, like I've had fire departments that order them for like their company officer programs, just reach out to me directly and I can I can save you some money um, instead of buying it right through Amazon. I can just order copies and they can get it a different way. Um, but that's the easiest. If you hopped on Amazon today, you can get it right there. Um, if if you want to reach out to me for any other reason, you could find me on Facebook, uh, just my name. You can search my name, Jared Sergi. You can find me under Trial by Fire um, and you can you can hit me up that way too. Give me a buzz, shoot me an email, and you know I love to chat with people. I'm I'm always learning, like we talked about in the beginning. So, you know, I always like people bringing bringing stuff to my attention, and we we chat about it, and I learn from I learn from people all the time too. So it's awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks, Cap. Thanks for your time, and to everyone out there listening, stay fit, stay safe, and remember, when lives depend on us, success is our only option. Thanks for listening to the Firefighter Success Podcast. Go to firefightersuccessbook.com to learn more about the book, Firefighter Success, 20 C's to Firefighter Excellence. At the website, you can also download the free special report, 101 Rules for Firefighter Success.